Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, on the I Work For Him show, each and every day, we try to focus our discussions that will cha- on discussions that will challenge you to change the way you think about workplace ministry and your life in Christ. And today is no different. Today we're going to be talking about how a small business can make an impact on their community through biblical stewardship. And we've got an expert in the office, in the in my office today. The roundtable discussion right here at WTIS. I've got Bob Collins with the National Christian Foundation, Tampa Bay. He's back in studio. This is Bob. This Bob, this is your third or fourth time in the studio, isn't it? Yeah, third time. I'm glad to have you back here. Before we get started, Bob, I want to read this scripture because this, for me, this is the basis of the discussion. And I and I I wrote it in the I, I took it out in the New Living Translation. But you know, First Timothy six seventeen through nineteen is a verse teaching about the rich. It says, teach those, Timothy, who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable, so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future that they may experience true life in heaven. Bob, it's, it's all about that. It's being rich towards others. It's, being, it's, it's gaining that understanding, the biblical understanding of stewardship. It, it, I mean, National Christian Foundation, isn't that why you ended up there? You wanted to help people do that? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, with the National Christian Foundation, what we do is we help business owners and families uh, be better stewards and ultimately give more to their favorite charities uh, because of the help and expertise that we bring them. And you bring creativity to the. I mean, you're, you're using creative ways to get people to be able to give. Right. Although not too creative, right? Well, not illegal <laughs> creative. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean it to come across that way. Yeah. I meant that a lot of people, you said the first time you were on my show, this is last year, you said that in Tampa Bay alone, and this number still boggles my mind, in Tampa Bay alone, now I'm going to forget the number, there was over $200 billion dollars of frozen assets. Assets that are you know, money that's tied up in property and in, in things that, that it's not being put to work for the kingdom. It's just sitting there. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, we call that the frozen glacier of wealth. So if you imagine this huge mountain of wealth in the Tampa Bay area, and we estimate actually it's over $300 billion in the hands of Christians in Tampa Bay. And um, most of it is um, not being given, not being used for the kingdom. And you know, our, our ministry purpose is uh, very simple, is to work with the folks that have that and to help walk with them along a spiritual journey of generosity in order to release that. But most importantly, they're not giving to the National Christian Foundation. They're still giving to their favorite charities. We're just helping them along that path. Well, you're facilitating it, and you're helping them, you know, maximize the tax advantage. I'm sure. I mean, that's it's important as long as there still is a tax advantage. Might as well maximize it. Someday, I'm sure they're going to strip that from us. But that doesn't mean we won't be generous. Then it'll just even be more of a step of faith when we do that. But you know, every day you get to have fun helping people like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a wonderful uh, past ten years that I've had doing this, uh, working with these amazing Christian families who really just want to be a blessing to others. And um, and it's really interesting, you know, literally hundreds of families that I've worked with over the years, and each of them has a different dream, a different vision about what their charity is going to accomplish. In some cases, it's crisis pregnancy. In other cases, it's anti-human trafficking or feeding the poor. Or, I mean, it's, it's just amazing all the different things that people are doing when you uh, can step back and see the, the landscape of Christian giving. Yeah, it's amazing. You you mentioned the anti-human trafficking thing. People don't realize that Tampa Bay. I, I mean, I've heard this. I mean, I'm not I'm not involved in rescuing people, but I've heard that from Tampa to Orlando, the I four corridor is is one of the lar- it's got the biggest problem with human trafficking. It's like in the top ten in the country. Yeah, that is correct. Um, I've heard the same thing, and um, in our case, it's both uh, sex trafficking and you know the migrant farm workers as well. A lot of them are. Uh, what's called debt bonded, uh, where you know they're basically working for free. Oh man, that's unbelievable. Okay, so listen, uh, talk about what what's Christ doing in your life today? How's Christ making an impact on your life today? Well, you know, it's funny. It's actually not uh, directly related to money and stewardship and that's possessions. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, just my wife and I have, have we've been married for twenty years. Um, and uh, congratulations thank you and uh, just you know over the last uh, couple of years have just uh, grown closer together as we've grown closer to christ so i would say probably the biggest thing uh that's going on in in our lives right now is just that uh what's going on in our marriage but i do think it's actually indirectly related to money and possessions and, and generosity uh, because you know going back um about 10 years ago, a little bit over 10 years ago, um, we made a, a, a significant commitment to give a certain percent of our, of our money away to charity every year, which was much higher uh, than what we had done in the past. 
And actually, I did that uh, deliberately, uh, just taking the verses of the Bible seriously. Um, and the main one is, where your money goes, there your heart goes also. And, um, and I wanted to test God in this. Um, and so as a couple, we committed uh, to actually giving 50% of our income every year to charity. And this was back in uh, 2003. And, um, and we did that deliberately because we wanted our heart to go in the direction of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can testify today that that has been absolutely true. There's something about money and possessions and, um, and, and the power that it has uh, to help you advance on a spiritual journey. Um, and I'm not talking, you know, prosperity theology right. or anything like that. I'm no, just I know you're not. That, that um, you know, it seems like money is the main competitor to God, and once you you surrender your wallet uh, to God, um, there's all kinds of amazing blessings that come out of that. In, in my case, my marriage got better, um, my volunteerism in church, my time in the Bible and devotion time and everything, all that got better after I resolved that one issue. You put your focus in a different place. How did it make an impact on how you uh, dealt with your children? Because you, you have four kids? Three five, kids. actually. Five, five, six, whatever it takes. <laughs> okay. You have five kids. How did it make an impact? I mean, you said it impacted your marriage. How did it impact your kids? Oh, the, the same way. I mean, they could see uh, my wife and I making these decisions. And um, at the same time, because we stepped out in faith in, in the giving part of it, you know, there was um, less money to, to go around for other things. And so we were saying no a lot more often to buying this or going here or doing that. And, um, and, at the same time, they could see that it was because of her generosity, and I think that uh, that made a big impact on them over the years. That's a great example to set for others, and I, I know that when I first watched you know, The Purpose Driven Life back in, it was 03 or 04, the, the video series, and Rick Warren said, hey, my goal was to be a reverse tither, and I'm like... That's a goal. I love that idea to be a reverse tither. You know, give 90, live on 10. I'd love that someday. Someday, maybe I could write a cool book like Rick Warren. That's not likely to happen, but, you know, it could. It could happen. All right, when we come back, I really want to start digging into deep and what, what is the biblical model of stewardship. So we'll get, we'll get back to that. Bob, they can find out more about it if they go to tampabay.nationalchristian.com. Um. They can find out all about National Christian Foundation. Yeah, that's correct. We've got a lot of interesting resources on our website as well. Uh, short videos, um, and testimonials, um, Bible teaching from you know Tim Keller and, and Andy Stanley and others. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff there. <laughs> that's great. So they got to go out to the Tampa Bay, and I'll put this on Facebook tonight, but tampabay.nationalchristian.com. All right, as we do each and every day, it's time for a book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years, located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Almerton Road in Largo. Their 2,400-square-foot store is open to the public. How many days a week? Everybody's heard me say this, seven days a week. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. Shop C H A R I S dot com. Be the first person to call into our studio line. Actually, we got first and second and third person today. We got three books to give away. Call into the studio line 855 265 2929. 855 265 2929. And we'll send you a copy of the book that we're highlighting today. Brought to you complimentary of Karis Christian Books and Gifts and the National Christian Foundation. My wife, Martha, will send those in. The phones are already lighting up. All right, the book we're highlighting today, Bob, is a book you brought in, The 40-Day Spiritual Journey to a More Generous Life. Where'd you come up with this book? Well, it's distributed by a a gentleman named uh, Brian Kluth, and um, 
I've just found it to be really interesting and, and helpful, um, as, as the title implies, you know, 40 days of different scripture verses on different topics and systematically walks you through various uh, themes related to money and stewardship and possessions and giving. So if you want to be taken on a spiritual journey to a more generous life, Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929, and we will send you a copy of A 40-Day Spiritual Journey to a More Generous Life, written by the author, Brian Cluth. Thank you, Bob, for bringing those in, and I want to remind you, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. We're back live and in studio. Thanks to Todd T. Riley. His phones are ringing off the hook. I get an idea that, uh, Todd, we've got Will from Tampa. Will, welcome to the I Work For Him show. I'm doing okay. Do you have a question for us? I do. I just wanted to call. It's my first time even hearing your show, so my first time calling as well. Thanks for listening. I wanted to call and say say thank you. I recognize uh, Bob Collins right away. Um, National Christian Foundation has been a... A great catalyst for supporting our campus ministry these last 10 years that we've been here. And I just wanted to thank him for helping people be great stewards because uh, we can't do the work that we do without generous people in the Tampa Bay area uh, supporting our work. And so we really uh, appreciate how he helps people get excited about giving. And hearing his testimony today has inspired me to uh, go deeper in my giving as well. Wow. Uh, thank you very much, Will. It's great to hear from you. Yeah, it, it's good. What ministry is that, Will? It's called Cornerstone Campus Ministry. Oh, up there at USF. Just, exactly. If, if I could just give God glory, um, in our first year of ministry, we um, led about as many people to Christ as have been led to Christ in the last four weeks. So um, God has just really been multiplying our effectiveness down at the campus ministry, and uh, we're just really thankful that... Um, he called us there, and that he's brought people like yourselves alongside us to do the work that he's called us to do. We've had Chris and Christy Baker on the show a couple times talking about the ministry up there, so it, it is great. Will, I appreciate you calling to the show. Thanks for listening today, and uh, I'm glad that the National Christian Foundation, you, you just put it right there, has been able to be a part of your ministry, and it is an effective ministry on the USF campus right there in Tampa. Thank All right, you. cool. Well, thanks for calling in, Will. Of course. Have a good day. All right. All right, Bob, as we talk more about the biblical model of stewardship, let, let's get into, you know, really we're, we're to be taught generosity, which is people don't really think about that. And some people didn't really um, grow up in families that were generous. I mean, this is something that really needs to be learned. And it's an amazing journey because it is really a step of faith. I mean, you know, what I learned in 1999 going through Crown Ministries, I'd always been a tither, you know, like 10%. You know, if I made a thousand bucks, a hundred bucks, boom, you know, I was done. Never thought about, wow, okay, it's all God's. I was thinking I was doing God a favor. It was really cool. <laughs> and then I learned, okay, that's not really the way it is. And then I took Crown Ministries, and all of a sudden my, my mindset, uh, I mean, I understood the biblical principles of finance, and it, and it changed. And, and then it was shortly after that that I went through the Purpose Driven Life, and I'm like, wow, okay, no, I'd love to be a reverse tither. I'd really like to be able to give as much away as possible. But understanding that formula that really 100% minus whatever we give back still 
is 100%. And in your case, it's 100% minus 50% still equals 100%. God's taking care of everything that you need. You're not living without anything. And, and in the biblical principle starts with 100% minus 10% equals 100%, and, and you take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, giving is, um, you know, the Bible says don't give out of obligation or, or guilt or duty, uh, but give out of um, joy and, and cheerful spirit. You know, there really is um, a message in the Bible about giving out of an opportunity um, that you can please God, uh, that you can be in the center of his will and therefore rely on his promises. Uh, you can store up treasure in heaven. Uh, you can live the true good life in this world right here and now and not just in eternity. You know, the true good life is the generous life. The Bible's very clear about that. And, you know, it's interesting that even people who are not Christians are starting to discover that generosity and giving are really an, an answer to happiness and a sense of fulfillment and all that. Um, but, of course, we do it because of our gratitude for salvation in Christ, you know, and, you know, uh, modeling our lives after Jesus. I mean, it's really that simple. And when you look at Jesus and how he lived, I mean, he was the ultimate generous person. He gave it all. Yeah, yeah. And, and really, uh, it wasn't so much about him, you know, when he when he had money or, or whatever he was uh, stewarding, uh, he didn't spend it on himself, you know. And, and that, of course, transcends money, you know, his time, his energy, his talents, his ability to heal people and so forth. It was all spent on other people, not himself. Mm. And it's so, when you talk about Jesus and his, and his example of generosity, you know, it's very few people have said, you know, I died for everybody. <laughs> you know, there's only one that gets that, that title. So, and by the way, we got, we gave one book away. We still got a couple more books to give away. So you can call into the, uh, to the, call into the studio line, 855-265-2929 and get yourself a copy of the 40 day spiritual journey to a more generous life. 855-265-2929. All right, Bob. So let's talk about those, those steps. What is it? What is the biblical model of stewardship? Well, I think, you know, everybody has a different take on it, a different way to organize the themes. Um, I think the way I look at it is, you know, God is the owner of all. I mean, there's nothing that we have that he didn't give to us. Um, and um, and therefore, we should be good stewards. Uh, we should be good managers of what he's uh, given us. And I think a lot of people have heard that. I think there's a, a difference between hearing that and intellectually saying, well, yeah, of course, God owns everything. <laughs> Uh, but actually thinking that way, is, there's a, uh, quite often a disconnect because, you know, even we can go to church and listen to a sermon on stewardship, but we still get in our car and go to our home and look at our 401k balance and so on and so forth. Um, so it, there can be a big disconnect there. But the second thing is, um, and this is sort of motivating for me as well, is this idea of accountability. Um, you know, eventually we will be held to account. In fact, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 10, it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So it's very clear that there will be a judgment. Now, this isn't the same uh, judgment as whether you get into heaven or not. You know, that's by faith alone in Jesus. Uh, but after that, you will be judged on what you did, and of course, we want to earn that well done. Yes, we um, do. Yeah. Let, let me let me stop you there for a minute because I really want to touch on. Um, you, you're talking about. You, you mentioned something just a little bit earlier, and I didn't want to interrupt. So, but I want to go back to it. 
the the key to living life as John as Jesus described in John ten ten, I came so that you might have life and live it to the fullest. The key to that is generosity because if if money if if your pursuit is constantly after money and possessions, it's like this big burden you carry on your shoulders. But once you came to realize that it's all God's and you start giving it away, yet there's a freedom that you experience that. People don't understand. I mean, the minute you start giving it away, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter as much anymore. And all of a sudden, when you recognize that everything, if, if somebody needs it, everything is able to give away, you, you give it away, it's no longer, that's my shovel, I need it back. He's like, I'm going to blend the shovel if I may never see it again. You know, it's not mine. And it's a freedom that you get. It's it's an amazing, I don't know if you really went through that same mindset, but for me, it made a huge impact. And how I looked at stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> there's a couple things in there. One is, um, you know, what what's commonly referred to as the possessions paradox. You know, the, the, the more you have, the more you have things, the more your things own you, you mm. know. And, um, and there is a real burden from having a lot of stuff. If you have multiple houses and all kinds of things that you have to take care of, it, it winds up consuming your life, just taking care of your things. Um, but but in addition to that, I think more importantly, what you were saying is to to make that shift and to say, you know, my life is going to be focused on others and and helping others and investing in others and not investing in myself and just um, centered on my own desires and, and whatever today brings. Um, there is a tremendous freedom to that and joy and peace yeah, that comes it, from that. It makes such a huge difference. And it is. Yeah, when it's not, I mean, and the, and the richer you are and the more stuff you have, it is a bigger burden. I know people that are burdened by their stuff, and it's freeing, it's freeing to get rid of All right, but we're having some fun today. We're talking about the biblical model of stewardship and really how Christian business owners can make a huge impact on their communities through biblical stewardship. And so, you know, Bob, as we went to the break, uh, we were talking about, uh, we just got started looking at the model. You said number one was understanding the value or understanding ownership from a biblical perspective, understanding that God owns it, it's not ours, we're stewards of it, and that he may call on us to give it away, even though he's allowed us to hold it for a little while, but not to hold on to stuff so tightly. And we also talked about how freeing that really is that whole mindset. And then you said number two was accountability. And we, we got interrupted by the break on that. So why don't we go back and review accountability again and then go on to the third part of biblical, the biblical model of stewardship? Well, yes. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, that, you know, we will be held to account someday for everything done while in the body, whether good or bad. And, um, you know, you just want to earn that well done in that situation. You know, another part of the Bible says that, you know, all of our works will be tested as though refined by fire, you know, and the things uh, that really don't count for eternity just get all burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. And all this left over is, you know, the things that um, that you did that counted in eternity, you know, those acts of obedience uh, and generosity and and helping others and, and leading others to Christ, those are the only things that, that will carry over into eternity. And so, of course, we want that. And that, that leads into the next point, which is really giving out of an, a, a mindset of opportunity as opposed to uh, guilt or obligation. Um, you know, the Bible is very clear. There's many instances, in fact, the one that you led the show off with, where it talks about you, how you can store up treasure in heaven uh, by, uh, by how you give. And actually, the one that I like uh, the most is not very 
used very often, and that's the parable of the minus. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. familiar with the parable of the talents. Parable of the minus is very similar, but the good stewards uh, were put in charge of cities in eternity. And I think, um, you know, there are there are rewards in that um, we'll have more responsibility or we'll have more uh, uh, enjoyment or opportunity uh, in eternity based upon how we've stewarded what we own today. Mm. Boy, I'm hoping I get at least to manage my own house in heaven. I'm not looking for cities. All right, so is it, so ownership, accountability, opportunity, any other steps in your mind? Well, I think it all adds up to something that, uh, you know, John Wesley uh, expressed it very simply, uh, which is to earn all you can, save all you can, to give all you can. And, um, and what that means is, we should work hard. We should be good stewards of our intellect and our capabilities and put it to productive use. Um, but the save-all-you-can part means don't spend it all on yourself. Um, you know, be uh, prudent. Uh, live simply. Um, and that way you can give all you can and, um, and be, you know, extravagantly generous because you've worked very hard, but you haven't spent it on yourself. I love that. So John Wesley said, earn all you can and save all you can so that you can give all you can. Yes. That's what he said. Okay. All right. So, you know, this is a business show, a Christian business show. And really, we're talking about, you know, Christian business owners, Christian employees, people that are walking with Christ in the workplace, understanding this value of the biblical model of stewardship so that they can make an impact on their community. How, you know, what is the what do you see as the biggest challenge to getting people to recognize that they've been blessed so that they can bless others. That you know, as I this I learned in Crown Ministries, you know, God doesn't bless us to increase our status of living. God blesses us to increase our status of giving. Yes, and, definitely. And, and I love that. I would love to know who actually quoted it. I, I don't know. I've gone back to try to see it. I think I might have just heard it in one of the videos. But you know, what do you see as the biggest challenge when you meet with people to getting them to be generous with what they already have ample of? Yeah, actually, you know, a lot of people might think that it's it's greed uh, that keeps people from giving more generously. But in my experience, it's actually fear. I was uh, going to guess that it was fear. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you step out in faith and, and give, um, you know, as they say, outside your comfort zone, um, you know, you are, in a sense, uh, putting your financial future in jeopardy. Um, but what is unseen, but more important is that you're actually placing your life in the hands of the one who can actually really take care of you. Um, you know, it's a false sense of security to think that your money and your savings uh, are what's going to take care of you and what's going to prevent disaster from befalling you. There's only one person in one way who, uh, who can protect you from, from disaster, and that's God. And by giving generously, you're putting yourself in the center of God's will and therefore, you can rely on his promises that he will take care of you. And and what I have learned is as I've as I've learned to give generously, and we're not to the percentage point where you and your bride are, but significantly different than where we were when we first went into Crown Ministries, is that the more you give, the less you fear because you've seen God provide over and over and over and over and over again. And if people see me, they know I'm not starving to death. And but what's amazing is that just in I've just seen God provide in such very strange ways, but he cares about those intimate details in our lives. But we've got a car that 
We've got a Honda minivan, 2004 Honda minivan, which is ridiculous. It's got so many miles on it. I told the Lord, I said, I need to break my habit of switching cars all the time. I want to drive this car to less 200,000 miles on it. Well, at 150,000 miles, those vans throw transmissions consistently. 2004 Honda minivans throw transmissions. And ours blipped at, at 150,000 miles on it. And then all it was was four bolts, and they tightened it back up. And now my van has 213,000 miles on it. And what I've seen is that God has just kept it going, and, and I have to just trust him in faith in my vehicles even, which has been very interesting to me because I'd much rather be driving something a lot cooler than a minivan because my kids stopped riding with me years ago. So, but, but I've seen him provide in just strange ways even like that. I mean, my van is still going. It doesn't even burn oil. <laughs> so at, at 213,000 miles. So I've seen God provide in ways I know that I'm not going to be without. I know that I may go right up to the edge because God's just testing my faith. Yeah, I think you've hit um, what may be the most important point is that as you step out in faith and give and you say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to test you, and then he comes through in that situation, what happens? Your, your, your faith is strengthened. You say, wow, you know, I did this, and then he did this. He's paying attention to me. He loves me. He's going to take care of me. So I'm going to do it again. And then you do it again, and he comes through again. And you just enter into this uh, virtuous uh, circle of trusting more and realizing that it is more and more trustworthy to the point where you have just tremendous joy and peace and freedom knowing that the God of the universe is paying attention to you and taking care of you. And that's what I've seen working with hundreds of families over a long period of time is as they progress on the spiritual journey of generosity, that is the fruit of it ultimately is tremendous peace and joy and freedom, um, and, and not having to, to worry about what the future may bring. You know, a lot of Christian business people struggle with, okay, but how do I take money out of my business to be generous, and how do I take money out of my business to be generous, and is it is it out of the profits, is it out of the net profit, the gross profit? I mean, how do you start to counsel a, a Christian business owner or just somebody that's had a great job and they've got lot, they've got money they want to give away. How do you counsel them on on how to give? Certain, let's talk about the business, specifically business owners. How do you counsel them on, on on where do you start? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And I think you know there's there's a, a, a strong um, theme in the Bible about first fruits uh, giving, and so I think one of the places I start with folks is that. Um, you know, going all the way back to, uh, you know, Genesis and, and Cain and Abel, you know, that, you know, there is a, a, a concept that you first give to God, you give him the first and the best, and then you figure out what to do with the rest. And, um, and so, you know, I think it's important uh, the business owners uh, recognize that. And as they generate revenue and profit in their business, um, that their first looking towards that and then towards the rest. Okay, so so let's be more specific, though, Bob, because I want people to come away from here going, I get it. So when you say first fruits in a business owner, what do you what do you mean? Specifically, are you saying, you know, uh, if this month they made $10,000 profit at the bottom line, the, 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 the net profit, are you saying those are the first fruits? What, what are you saying? So we're, let's try to let's try to draw that out a little bit. Yeah, I think most often, you know, business owners give out of the profits, the the net profits uh, of the business. Um, I have seen other models. Um, uh, one gentleman we work with gives twenty uh, percent of his revenues. You know, obviously, not every business can do that. Um, <laughs> not every business has that kind of margin. That's correct. That's right. That's right. So, um, so yeah, it just depends. But mostly, I've seen it out of net profits. Yeah. Hmm. And when you're having, I mean. 
you got some businesses, and, and this is something that you need to teach people to be faithful with little, so that when they get more, so that they can be proven faithful with much. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, listen, when I make my first million, then I'll start tithing." That's not how it works. I mean, it really starts. It really works with. Okay, God lets you make a dollar in your first month of your business, or maybe you don't make any money in your first month. Well, there's nothing to tithe on. Uh, but if you take a check out of it to your home, you, that's money you're taking. I say that you should be tithing on that. But in that, um, in you get that first dollar of net profit, you need to be being generous, being tithing off of that first profit with the small stuff. I mean, then God can see that you'll be faithful with the big stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I can see, you know, taking that first dollar essentially to the altar, you know, and, and putting it in God's hands. And and that's very symbolically important. I love that. Take the take the first dollar. That's a good one. Or put it up on your wall. That's what most first business owners do. And as as Bob, as we started talking at the end of the last section, or segment as they want to call it, we talked about how we need to be faithful with that little bit so that God can trust us with more. Because if, if we're going to hoard it all for ourselves, God doesn't typically bless those kinds of people. He usually says, okay, be faithful with the dollar, then I'll trust you with 10 bucks. Be faithful with 10 bucks and be generous with that, and I'll give you 20 bucks. I mean, in my life, that's what I've seen is that I've had to prove faithful with a little in order to build it for God to trust me with more, to know that it's not going to start controlling my life. I don't know that I ever could handle being one of those really rich guys, but I know that 20 years ago, if I'd have had a lot of money, I'd have screwed it all up, and I'd have bought stuff with it. Where today, it, it means some. It, it doesn't mean the same thing to me anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and and, and it's, that's good to hear because as we talk, um, a lot of folks who um, who make a lot of money or inherit a lot of money, um, it really winds up robbing them of, of joy because they just get caught up in kind of the materialistic uh, consumer culture that we're in, and and you know are buying into a lie. Yeah, if you really want to screw your kids up, here's the number one rule. Give them everything they want and a whole boatload of cash when you die. That's a great way to screw your kids up. Here's the book. Somebody else write the book. It, it's got a title like this. Screw your kids up in one smart move. Give them, all the, give them everything they want and then give them a boatload of money. I mean, I, I, there's examples time and time and time again, examples of people whose parents died and, they, and at 18 they got a big lump sum of money. And those are the drug addicts. Those are the people that, I mean... It just messes them up. True. You need to learn to be content. You need to learn to be a generous giver, and you don't learn that overnight. Uh, and, you know, and, and you look at the example, all the people that have ever won the lottery, the majority of them are bankrupt. Yeah. And they won millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't pray that you win the lottery because you'll end up going bankrupt. All right. So we still got a copy of that book to give away 40-day spiritual journey to a more generous life. All right, Bob, we said the biblical model for stewardship started with learning uh, the ownership, learning, understanding God's ownership in our stuff. Then we learned that we're going to be held accountable by God for how we handle what he gives us and how we invest it in the kingdom. And number three, that opportunity, looking for those opportunities to really, in, when God puts an opportunity in front of us to take advantage of that opportunity, to be generous. But then we started talking about this first fruits giving. But let's talk about some specific examples. And we said first fruits giving. I mean, if you've got a net profit for the month, you pro- you tithe on that right away. Don't say it's all for me. I mean, really, you know, right from those first fruits, understand that this is God's. He's blessed you with it. Give him back his portion. And it, and it, and it detaches the hold that money has on your life. Yeah, I think it, it opens the opportunity for God to really bless you. 
Yeah. If if it doesn't have a clamp on your head, you know, if the money isn't controlling you, all of a sudden God can trust you with more. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what I've seen is that, boy, it, it doesn't have a control in my life. Although I could screw up one day and just go right back to it again. But all right. So talk about then some examples of how biblically steward based Christian businesses can really make an impact on their community. You you deal with people all the, all the time that are making an impact on their community. How can a small Christian business owner make an impact? Well, you know, what, one thing we've seen um, uh, several uh, local Christian businesses do is create a foundation or, you know, a, an employee-driven um, charitable pool. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, it has a real positive impact on the people within the company, that they can see that uh, their efforts are uh, blessing the community, blessing charities uh, as they work, and also that the owner has uh, delegated, to some extent, some more than others, uh, the responsibility for giving away that money uh, to the employees themselves. And so they not only uh, feel inspired, you know, to work knowing that that the company is uh, um, a, a good, you know, virtuous player in the community, uh, but also they get to participate in that and say, well, we want to give to this charity and that charity, and, and they have the discretion to do that. So, so uh, National Christian Foundation will help the business owners set up a foundation that the employees can then take payroll deduction and donate out of because it's a, it's a tax write-off? Is well, it that? How well, it? yeah, what I was talking about was really more of a percentage of the profits of the okay. company. All so. right, so it's not even so, – but can the employees participate in giving as well or not? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're talking the, the, so percentage of the profits. The owner designates, hey, X percent goes into the foundation, and then he sets up a committee within the the business to designate where those uh, funds are making an impact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and NCF National Christian Foundation. You, that's the kind of stuff you do all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even beyond that, then what we've seen other uh, Christian business owners do is they'll actually have their fund at our foundation. Own, be part owner of the business. Um, in some cases, you know, 10 or 20%. In some cases, all the way up to 100% of the business is owned by their foundation fund. And there are a lot of tax advantages for doing that. Um, one is you get a, a charitable deduction for contributing the stock of the business in the first place. But number two is now the charitable shareholder is going to pay a lot less in tax, maybe even no tax on the profits of the business. And in and, and that way, more can ultimately go to charity because less is going to the IRS. <laughs> I'm not sure how the IRS is feeling. They're probably not listening to the show today, but, you know, I know they want all of our money because they spend, you know, 30% more than we give them anyway. So when I love that idea. So the, the business owner actually just designates a, sec, a percentage of the profits and it goes right into a foundation that National Christian Foundation helps them set up. So you can do that all day long. They can get a hold of you at tampabay.nationalchristian.com. And, and that they, they could start from scratch with that, right? That's something that they, do they have to put up a bunch of money in to get it started, or can that can they say, okay, let's start that as of January one, and and it just starts to go? No, that's a great point because it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to set up a fund at the National Christian Foundation, and so and you don't have to have even a minimum balance. So you could decide to go and open one, uh, like you say, uh, uh, next week, and you know just start to use it. Uh, without worrying about uh, setup costs and that sort of thing, um, which is a big advantage because a private foundation or other type of corporate entity that might set up, um, you know, there's a lot of cost to, to get one of those going. Right, and you've got the ability. Basically, you manage the funds within those things, and, and when they say, okay, please direct the money to this ministry, this ministry, you take care of the uh, of sending that money out. And that, is that how it works? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's another important point is that we're not telling our givers that we serve 
where to send the money. They're still sending the money to their favorite charities, and we're just serving them in their charitable giving. All right, so the practical things we're bringing out today is that, is that we all, as Christ followers, need to understand the biblical model for stewardship, which is understanding God's ownership of everything that we have and, and Him letting us steward it, for, uh, to know that we're going to be held accountable for what we do with those items, and then uh, to look for those opportunities that God puts in front of us to, to disseminate some of those funds. But for practical-wise, Bob, also on the for the business owner, that, that practical giving of the first fruits and putting it right into a foundation that, in, that National Christian Foundation has set up and then letting your employees say here's where I, here's the local charities i'd like that money to go to that's mm-hmm. how you can start making an impact on your community today yeah yeah that's true so they could call you tomorrow morning right there in tampa bay and they can find out more about you at tampabay.nationalchristian.com they can call you tomorrow and get started so make sure you talk to bob tomorrow that's a great thing to get set up and, and i bet you have a lot of people that start doing that this time of year too yeah, yeah. As we start to get into the fourth quarter, that's when giving really heats up. I, I wanted to make one other observation, which is we're recently celebrating facilitating $200 million of giving in the Tampa Bay area since we started about 10 years ago. We just hit the $200 million milestone, and on October 22nd, we're having a celebration in downtown Tampa. We've actually arranged for a marching band and uh, marching through the streets of Tampa, celebrating uh, $200 million of giving. You can find that on our website as well. And that's not like a Jericho march where the building is going to come down. This is a celebratory march. All right. right, Next week on the I Work For Him show, we've got Tom and Pam Wolf with Identity and Destiny coming in all week. Next week, we're going to talk about who are you in Christ and what you should be doing and how Identity and Destiny can help you find it. Identity and Destiny is a program that absolutely every Christ follower in the world should go through. Next week, you're going to hear more about it right here on the I Work For Him show. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.